Welcome to the PDI Spotlight Podcast. At this week's PDI Germany Forum in Munich, we had a live discussion with three leading industry figures. Hans-Jörg Baumann of Stepstone, chairman of the Private Debt and Liquid Alternatives team, Berger Grau, Managing Director and Co-Head of Private Debt at Yieldco Investments, and Alexander Boda, a partner at BB Alternative Partners. The three men provided insights into what investors are really thinking about the current state of the private debt market, including in Germany specifically. We hope you enjoy it. Well, I'm going to ask you all to sort of dive in at the, the deep end, really. Um, some people might hold this question back to last, but I'm just going to come straight out with it and ask you uh, what, what should be keeping people awake at night? But then, okay, maybe we'll soften it because we'll combine that with what still gives you faith and a, a positive feeling about the asset class today. We oversee uh, and manage 255 billion for investors all over the world. Uh, that means, anyway, there's a different risk appetite from most of the investors. But coming back, what uh, keeps them awake? Look, if if you're invested in uh, direct lending first lien, you sleep well because obviously you're protected for market movements. If you're more on uh, highly leveraged transaction, obviously, then the question is. When will interest rates start to raise? But obviously, it didn't happen. Money is extremely cheap, so still everybody sleeps extremely well. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. That's, that's pretty positive. Um... <laughs> no, it doesn't mean. It just means now that rates are low, they sleep well. I didn't say that rates will remain for the next two or three years on this level. We can sleep well for tonight at least. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, further thoughts on that? It's the right uh, question to, to, to ask because I think there are a lot of advocates for the asset class and it has um, received quite an adoption um, globally, um, has been embraced. So I think given the journey we've all been through, especially in, in direct lending as really the most prominent part of the private debt universe, um, I think the, the risk return profile has certainly suffered from the, the golden age of when the asset class has emerged. Um, in, in Europe um, a number of years ago, in the US earlier, but I think it's still a sleep well at night uh, strategy. I mean, you cannot go much more conservative than uh, senior debt in, in corporates. So um, given where the alternatives are in public debt, uh, capital markets, leveraged loans, I think there are a lot of sound principles that are applied to investing in, in private debt that should make it for an attractive asset class for the long term, but supply demand needs to be uh, kept in balance and uh, monitored um, and how that implicates uh, the risk return profile. For sure, so as, as long as there's safeguards there, looking at <coughs> a, a relative sense, it's, it's, it's still looking pretty strong. Alexander, any additional thoughts on that? Yeah, what might, might keep them uh, some investors uh, awake is uh, the fact that they are uh, still not in the market for private debt or direct lending and uh, maybe miss the best part. As always, in early markets, you, you, can, um, yeah, you can earn a, a much, much, better, much better profit than in later stages. When, and I think that that's what we see now is a natural evolution. Uh, the market becomes more efficient, more standardized, and of course, terms are deteriorating or, yeah, terms become just uh, an, efficient, an efficient price for a, for a certain financing. And, um, but um, what, what make them uh, make, uh, stay awake uh, as well are 
yeah, reportedly the, the deteriorating terms, but in fact, uh, we are still on a good on a good basis, I guess. I think we'll we'll come back uh, a little bit later to talk a bit more about terms and conditions because obviously that's something that's a major uh, talking point at the moment. Um, I wanted to ask you though about LP allocations, and you know I'm sure there's a there's probably going to be nuanced answers to this question, but just to sort of take it down to its most basic level, do you think this is a time where? LPs should be allocating more to private debt or, or less? I guess it depends on who you are, right? And what, what your situation is. <laughs> um, uh, so it shouldn't surprise higher. Uh, <laughs> But obviously there are macroeconomic factors and there are technical factors and the, the other one is return expectation. From a macroeconomic perspective, obviously, I just mentioned before rates, if you expect rates to stay low for the next four, five, six years, not only for the next 12 months, then obviously you have a reinvestment risk. Where are you going to reinvest? Are you going to long duration where you have a lot of interest rate sensitivity? No, you wouldn't do. And if you invest short term in Europe, your return is zero. And uh, in the States, it's maybe two, two and a half percent. So on a return perspective, to do the reinvestment, you better go into private markets. That's one part. Second is, should rates start to move? You would like to stay short interest rate duration, but long, interest, uh, long contractual tenor. You don't want to be long duration, so it's good for if rates stay low, but it's also good if rates move. That's macroeconomic. The second is allocation. Look, people start to see that the public markets are not only expensive, it's very, very expensive. So you look for alternatives, and the alternative is really in private markets. And the private debt, therefore, is a substitute, and uh, people ask me, what should be the right allocation? Look, the right allocation is you need to understand what you do. And if you do 1%, then you have 99% return pattern somewhere else. So clearly I say, if you go into private debt, you should be 5 to 10%. We have clients who are 15% and higher, but we have clients who are only at 1%, and by the way, we also have clients who have zero. So there is no allocation, the right size fits everybody. You have to find exactly where you stand in terms of understanding and integration, but do it strategically, not tactically. From your sort of purview, which is obviously over a wide range of different managers and strategies, is your view, you know, in general, that you, you look at certain institutions and you think actually their allocation to private debt should really be higher because, you know, it does seem to suit their objectives? Yes. Look, um, we have a very large insurance company, we have sovereign wealth funds, we have pension funds, and each has another starting point. Insurance companies are by definition fixed income oriented. So therefore, their fixed income allocation is anyway high. That means also the private debt is a fixed income replacement strategy. So that's one angle. By the way, these clients are happy with 6 to 7% on the dollar side if they have the lowest loss rates. Then you have pension funds who are also a bit more conservative these days, but they wouldn't be happy just with 5 to 6%. They would like to have slightly higher and they can take also slightly higher risk. So therefore the profile is slightly different. And fully different is with sovereign wealth funds and with family office. So profiling is extremely important, that's one. And second is to understand the evolution of the client. Alexander, would you like to come in on this? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
the, the allocation, I think, in, in general, a lot, a lot of people start uh, start with that asset class or in the beginning. And um, I think um, the uh, the one advice you always can give in alternatives is don't don't put your money uh, all in one year to the market, but um, keep on investing every year over 10 years and after 10 years in private debt a little earlier in private equity a little later in infrastructure even later um, you have a, you get into a portfolio that really feeds itself and has a, has a very good diversification in terms of assets in terms of vintage years and uh, i think that then it starts really to to get uh, to make fun mm -hmm. okay <laughs> well put <coughs> uh, uh, are any, any other points around Well, you were surprised. Um, I, I, at the risk of also talking our book, um, I mean, we're all proponents of, of the asset class as we've seen it, uh, how it behaves um, personally in good times as well as in bad times uh, through the crisis with more junior-oriented strategies, which in the end actually performed surprisingly well, uh, which is often uh, forgotten at, at this moment. Um, so I think the starting point for many investors is quite different uh, by type of institution, by what they have done on the private equity side, um, and also a number of political, personal, individual factors. Um, uh, you see institutions that um, haven't done anything in alternatives and maybe get someone else at the helm to, to run uh, the asset management and asset allocation, and people go quite aggressively in, in, into this. Um, but I think people realize, uh, whether it's in the insurance company sector or in the pension uh, sector, there's uh, really, in some part, a little bit of a pressure um, to go into alternatives to kind of reach the goals uh, that they're set out to, to achieve. So I think there's, uh, you can debate if it's attractive, but on a relative basis, as a public market equivalence, I think it's quite attractive. Um, still, uh, from conversation with clients, we see these debates are still alive. Should we do a billion uh, over the next two years through a liquid solution, maybe some hedged equity approach, or put it in illiquid strategies in a mix of private equity, infrastructure, debt? So these are live debates, um, and uh, everyone comes out uh, at a different uh, Result. The pressure is given by the market. Absolutely. Obviously, it's not just uh, an individual within an organization because the public markets are expensive. You don't get any return. So it's really looking for alterns, uh, alternatives on the return side, and obviously the private markets offer this type of premiums. Okay, thank you. Um, so we're here in, in Munich. Obviously, you're uh, looking around the world. You're not just focused on the German market. But as we're here today, um, perhaps you could share some thoughts on how you see the evolution of the German market. We just had a presentation there on how debt funds have really you know, developed here and, 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 and taken market share. Um, what are your thoughts on the sort of positive and negative characteristics of the German market? And you know, what would you say to someone who is asking about whether this is a good time to have a material exposure to the German private debt market? Well, look, I, I represent the Dach region, besides many other regions in our company. And I'm Swiss, so therefore my market is not completely different than the German market. But let's start the following. The disintimidation process didn't start. 
uh, yes, at, at its infancy, it started in, in continental Europe, but in Germany and Switzerland not. It's still a banking-dominated business. If, uh, however, I move into the United States, this intimidation started 30 to 40 years back, and clearly in the last 20 years it has accelerated. So the main driver is really the supply side. And this is not happening. So that means for the first lean investment, it's still a banking-dominated business. The second lean business, not on the mezzanine. But for many of the investors, it's not the second lean and mezzanine they're looking for. They look for the first lean. So in a nutshell, the market is still expensive. That means spreads pretty tight compared for the same risk in other markets. And by the way, Switzerland is the extreme matter of fact. The returns that we get in private markets sometimes, not sometimes, quite often doesn't justify to go really into the institutionalization of the business. But um, the other side is the LPs in Germany, look, they seek also returns. And that means they do not just have to invest in Germany, so a big part of their allocation is non-German oriented. In a nutshell, the industry is growing. It is growing, but still in Germany it is um, predominantly bank dominated. Germany, Austria and Switzerland. Okay. Asia, by the way, the same. Allow me just to bring the disintimidation in Asia on private debt is not happening at all. In China, it is a banking business, banking business, only the NPL business, and there you can go in. But for performing loans, Asia is uh, still too expensive. Okay. I think the, the, the German market went through an uh, I think interesting evolution, um, which in the beginning was quite interesting, um, as it was a little bit the new frontier for many private debt players uh, that are more headquartered in um, predominantly London but also Paris so everyone went to Germany and it became a little bit uh, from what we observe a battleground so maybe in terms of terms uh, and pricing seen some deterioration because everyone wanted to benefit from the catch-up effect in the UK and France the penetration of private debt versus bank financing was already at you know at 50% uh, plus in parts Germany it was quite low and rapidly moved up to now in last year to 50% at least when we look at private equity financed uh, transactions so the question now is going forward um, with that kind of market growth uh, through a catch-up effect has happened, it will be the further growth will be more in sync with what we see in the UK um, and uh, France. And the big question is, how long will it take, and will it ever happen, that we see kind of the relationships as in the US, where pretty much the market is divided among private debt players. So nearly 100% um, adoption of, of, of private debt, but um, I think that remains to be seen. I think um, for the time being, it has been in recent years a rather competitive uh, market. Um, still, um, a number of new groups have had quite success in if you will, reaching a very high market share in, in, in Germany. And it's interesting to see that at least some German uh, LPs like maybe a higher allocation to, to Germany and in part have a preference for these funds. You could call this a home bias or um, also maybe uh, complementary to other funds that are more UK uh, oriented. Would you agree? I think there's still more demands than supply in Germany. 
because the German institution, they will be ready to invest larger into German Mittelstand firstly, but the supply side is not That's coping true. with the demand side. Yeah. That's the reason why the German LPs are seeking investments outside of Germany, which by the way is good, diversification and, and all the reasons to that. But the, the demand side has not yet lived up to, for instance, with other markets. Do you think just out of interest, do you think that's likely to be addressed? Um, I think in Europe, yes, uh, because uh, if you just look at the cross-border business for banks with the, the new banking regulation, this has been reduced. That means for a period of time this intimidation, this intimidation really happened there on the cross-border business. German banks landing into Switzerland and in other countries, this has uh, reduced. But in general, the, the local business is still dominated by the banks. By the way, I'm not saying there are no opportunities for the private debt funds. But given that the potential demand, there's not sufficient supply. Now I've been asked quite often, when will it come? <laughs> no idea. I think it's only when really the cleaning up, the more drastic cleaning up of bank balance sheet is going to happen. Then, clearly, then it's the time. But Europe hasn't been as radical as in the States. I fully agree that um, I think the market in Germany is, has been more bifurcated than in other uh, countries in terms of the sponsored direct lending, uh, which is uh, an intermediated market, uh, quite competitive. Um, and then you have the banks who focus on really the lowest risk uh, transactions for the vast majority of companies in the Mittelstand. And everything else in private debt regarding Germany are really very niche situations that are not at all scalable. And I would add that in other countries there's more creativity maybe and um, themes that are being picked up, whether it's the UK or, or other parts. Just quick for Germany and, and Switzerland. Uh, look, uh, I come from Switzerland. Interest rates till 14 years is negative. Now you go into private debt, you see private placements being done at 0% to 1.5%. I wouldn't go into that. And then obviously if it's 1%, it's already good for some of the clients. But on the private debt side, there's a lot of work linked to that. And obviously you have to take into consideration also the fees. You see, Switzerland is even more extreme than Germany to that, but Germany is about the same. Yeah, maybe there's only to add, um, the, the German banking community uh, is just about to try to yeah, resume some of the market uh, by, by consolidating. It's uh, Bremer Landesbank uh, was consolidated with Oldenburg Bank, Oldenburg Landesbank, um, and the, in the south there, there are some uh, yeah big, bigger transactions, and that, that's and these groups are very active in the in the corporate lending market and are com competitors to the direct lenders or to the to the fund managers, and um, and it's the same. Um, yeah, in some areas, Volksbank, Raiffeisenbank, only very, very limited. And um, so, uh, Germany is still a very, yeah, a very bank-inclined inclined market. What is also due to the, yeah, to the to the corporates, to the to the uh, customer or yeah, the borrowers, who 
who like their relationship to the to the bank, what is 50 or 40 years old. And uh, but I think it changes step by step as I see the advantages of having an, uh, an alternative lender who is more flexible and who can can step in, step out, very flexible, and or can just add on and add uh, add a banking bank financing. And um, I think this this is valued more and more. But still, we are in Europe. I think we are a little bit behind. Okay, all right. Um, so Berger, I think you, you, you used the word battleground to describe the, the situation in, in Germany. So, at risk of losing friends here, um, I'm going to use the B word Brexit, the other B word, uh, Brexit, and uh, ask whether, in a way, that, that could make somewhere like Germany even more of a battleground in the sense that perhaps investors are becoming more wary of the UK market, perhaps people even being advised to reduce exposures to that market somewhat and you know whether that in turn would have side effects such as more capital flowing into other European markets. I think the, the numbers that we're seeing how capital is, is invested by funds, I think the general pattern hasn't, hasn't changed. I mean there were maybe bumps in the road for a quarter uh, when the dislocation uh, in the political uh, discussion was highest and um, but, but overall most pan-European funds, um, to take that as a prototype, they're doing 30-40%, in some instances even more in, in the UK. It's still probably the, yeah, the most advanced market and penetrated by, by all the funds. Um, so there are some people who focus a little bit more on, on, on other markets, um, but I don't see this actually changing. What has been difficult, I think, for locally oriented funds that are active in the, in the UK, they're more biased, I think, to the, the lower end of the market, where generally the micro topics of the credit fundamentals are in the end driving the results and not kind of any macro developments. Um, I think they had trouble really um, winning investors outside of the UK pension world. Um, because people are just wary of, um, want to see what, what happens. Uh, but, but I think overall, I think it's been surprisingly calm in terms of uh, what has happened so far. You'd have to think about FX risk, obviously, and um, a number of um, you know, exposure to certain industries. But all the managers, when they do their due diligence work, you know, are on, the, on top of that. Okay, I'm Swiss. Obviously, there's a political element, and there is a macroeconomic angle, and there's a microeconomic element to that. On the political base, I don't need to debate. Obviously, I'm Switzerland. I'm not part of the European Union. I just observe, and I have to say, I'm irritated to see how much instability all of a sudden really pops up. But that's a European issue. Now, obviously, the UK has its own instability on the political basis. But when it comes to investments, obviously, it's pretty important to understand the legal system. Because if I lend, I want to have my money back. And if the money doesn't come back, I want to enforce my legal rights. And the Anglo-Saxon system is anyway by far better than the rest of many of the European other legal systems. So from this perspective, is no deterioration. 
the repricing, however, on the transaction is happening on an ongoing basis. If the economic and the cash flow of the companies starts to deteriorate, spreads will widen. That's naturally, it's a repricing. And we haven't seen any stop or flow of transactions. In the contrary, we really see a lot of activities in the UK. As I said, Anglo-Saxon law, the disintimidation is really happening. The appetite of investors is here. Currency, that's another issue. You swap it out. So overall, it has not hampered at all the private debt market. Okay. A pretty positive message I'm getting so far. Any uh, a neutral? Are you a, okay? <laughs> neutral. I, I just a neutral because yeah. the repricing will happen mm. the moment there is more uncertainty to increase. Because that ultimately in private credit it is the cash flow. Yeah. You need to analyze the cash flow of the companies, mm. and so far we haven't seen any strong deterioration. So I'm I'm neutral to say okay. the world has not changed to the extreme. Mm. Not at all. The other part is don't forget money is still cheap. Money is unbelievable cheap in all the markets. Okay. Would you concur with that, Alexander, or anything you'd, you'd disagree with there? That's very comprehensive, actually. <laughs> no, it's, okay. <laughs> For that question, it's... Uh, yeah. Okay. Fine. Good. We're all in agreement. Um, so, uh, I wanted to ask you also about, um, from the German um, investor perspective, I think in the years we've been doing, uh, staging this event, that we've seen something of a progression from sort of initial commitments into the asset class, and but quite tentative uh, commitments as well into perhaps more conservative strategies. I wonder whether on the whole that's where German invest the German investor base still is, or whether um, fr from your perspective you're seeing investors becoming much more adventurous and looking at different kinds of risk return profiles, different kinds of strategies and being more open to them. It's not a particular German situation. It's on a global basis. We cover uh, all the regions. Look, what you see is people have become more prudent on a global basis. And prudent means they become more defensive in allocating capital where they would like to see that really the capital comes back. The equity people are optimists, the private debt people are by definition pessimists. Equity, you have appreciation on debt, you can only lose if the capital is not coming back. So looking at the German market, the acceptance on private debt is increasing substantially. We have seen also a huge shift away from syndicated loans into the direct lending that has to do mainly to the fact that lower volatility and better risk-adjusted return, by the way, syndicated loans is good, but you have the best risk-adjusted return. So this is one pattern. The second pattern is, it's not only the direct lending corporate, the direct lending that we see. There's also an increase in terms of real estate debt. We see there's a lot of capital going into that and we, we offer such uh, solutions. But we also see from the insurance side more capital going into infrastructure debt. Yeah. So in general, the appetite is increasing and the more you understand the benefits out of this asset class, the higher the allocation becomes. And second is also the broader the need of other strategies is increasing. Mm, understood. I think it's uh, different, different answers for, for different groups of investors. Uh, so I would absolutely uh, echo your, your implication of the question on the kind of conservatism um, for investors who do their first step into the asset class. I mean, they need to prove that it works. They don't want to wake up two years when maybe we have a market downturn event and kind of 
really having to report around very poor results, uh, hits to you know, uh, on the losses, etc. So um, they typically want a, a most conservative you know, first start of an allocation to, to ramp up their processes, see how it works, get familiar with the asset class. Um, so I don't see that uh, changing for, for people who maybe have the luxury of not uh, having a need to, to invest there. Um, but at the same time, uh, people have broadened their scope extremely. Uh, investors who have done that for over 10 years, who have run private equity allocations uh, for 20 years, um, who have own dedicated teams selecting core direct lending funds across the globe. I mean, they're definitely looking for satellite strategies that complement their portfolios, not necessarily to, to enhance returns that might be for some a consideration, but more generally it's about diversifying exposure away from a relatively one-dimensional risk factor, and that is the association with the private equity market and corporate and the macro uh, default cycle. So um, we're cer certainly seeing that, that appetite uh, emerging, and there are things that are, I think, now more mainstream, like real estate and infrastructure-oriented that even in the investment grade corridor of risk return at two, three percent, um, and some more elaborate strategies. But but private debt extends into the double digits in terms of what can be achieved and what can help to really build a more robust uh, portfolio. Okay, Alexander, does that tally with what you're seeing? Yeah, I, I can't can't. Uh support that in all aspects, but uh, I think it's, it's, all, it's always a, a question which investors you're looking at. And, and we, we have, actually we have very, uh, very diverse um, yeah, approaches to that. We have an investor who says, as safe as possible, please. I only take the first out tranches of uni, of the second, first out, second out uni tranches. Please give me that. I have another investor who says, oh, look, I have a, I have a portfolio of, yeah, some billion, and, and um, I need uh, at least uh, 500 million to make a difference. And so, and in this 500 million, I need really 6, 8%, 6 to 8% net. So please give me 6 to 8% net. And if you, well, advise him, yeah, but this means risk for 6 to 8% net. And he says, yeah, that's okay. The rest of my portfolio is, uh, is perfect, and uh, I, I have deliberately set on this on the path. And so, and uh, uh, the others who, yeah, uh, as Mr. Grant just said, are more diversified and said, okay, I have a, I have a well diversified uh, start in direct lending, now give me the rest. What is, what is the rest of the world and of the strategies that, that could make me happy in, in my portfolio as it is? And so it, it's really, yeah, very diverse. It, I think it, it's, a, um, it's a question, when did they start? When did they start to invest and to, to engage in that, in that asset class? And so you have, yeah, different stages. Okay, I think the issue really here is the business has moved from a pioneer or exotic phase into an institutional phase. Yeah. And this institutionalization is happening, and obviously there are three factors, content, process and structure. Content, we just debated, that means that's the strategy and the return. And there's a high increase on level of knowledge. Process, this is interesting to see that obviously 
the more experience the investor has, the more he demands on the cheapy side by saying, I'm not just going in your cheapy fund. I want to do today SMA, single managed accounts. I want to do co-investments, I want to do secondaries, an evolution which is natural. Ultimately, the institutionalization means investors care about efficiency on the investment, means ramp, not too long J-curve effects. And the second is evergreen structure, that the money is invested as long as the investor wants not as the GP wants. This is a super evolution that we observe. We, I call it institutionalization, and this is good. Lastly, to what it leads is to more governance, control. Not governance by the regulator, by the client. We observe that, that the validation of the data, the validation of the, the full process has reached a fully other, fully other level of professionalism than years before. This is good. This is really something that helps the industry to grow. And we as providers, we just have to cope with these challenges. That's why we are paid for. Okay, on that very pragmatic note, um, we've, we've come to the end of our time here. So thanks very much for joining our Germany podcast. Uh, I found that extremely interesting and I'm, I'm sure our audience in general has too. So thank Pleasure. you very much. Pleasure thank having you. been here. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the PDI podcast. That again was Hans-Jörg Baumann, Borger Grau and Alexander Boder speaking at the PDI Germany Forum. You can find more podcasts on the PDI website and across our various titles. Thanks for listening. I'm Andy Thompson. <laughs>